Thank you for listening to Value-Based Care Insights, a podcast by Lumina Health Partners. I'm your host, Shelley Janeja. The series is for healthcare leaders and organizations navigating the journey to value-based care and the ever-changing landscape of our healthcare industry. And boy, has that been true for the exceptional year we've had and the one we've just started. Our goal in this series is to bring to you disruptive success strategies for healthcare organizations, leveraging our experience and having worked with some of industry's top experts and thought leaders. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to invite you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think about the episode and other questions that are top of your mind. With that, I'd like to welcome my co-host, Dan Moreno, Managing Partner at Lumina and an industry thought leader for value-based care. Dan, welcome. In our last couple of episodes, we've talked about various trends, not only that we've observed coming out of 2020, what our learnings have been, but what we anticipate in 2021. We've talked about technology trends, data trends, policy changes that are anticipated. And I'm quite excited to talk about today's episode, our focus on need for strong leadership, resilient leadership, as we navigate and build ourselves back into 2021. What are you hearing on this topic, Dan? Obviously, given all the challenges that we've seen in this past year, particularly with COVID and a lot of the pressures that have been placed on hospitals, both in terms of the financial pressures, pressures around delivering good care, pressures around just you know building the right culture. Physician leadership is really bubbling up to an area of great importance. And you know what I'm particularly hearing is leadership and the skills required you know, for these effective high-performing leaders, not only is important within the executive branch of these hospitals, but also within the physician support structure. Many physicians are assuming these leadership roles. And you know they're, the skills that are going to be required to, to get us past a lot of these activities within COVID, I think are going to continue to emerge as an area of real importance. Absolutely. And you know when we talk about skills, Dan, it's not only the operational skills, the operational knowledge, the physician leaders need, whether that be on the value-based care, whether that be on payer contracting, analytics, or technology, I think ever more there is an importance and there is a focus on need for soft skills to not only sustain the increasing demands of this role, but to excel at it as well. Oh, you are absolutely right. And those soft skills lead to appropriate um, execution of the strategy of the business models um, and, and really building the culture so the team can be effective. That's what I think is really important. Well, Shelly, I am really excited today to have a returning guest, Dr. Doug McKinley. Dr. McKinley is a clinical psychologist. He specializes in leadership development of physician executives, has worked with many physician leaders across the country, many organizations across the country. And um, as you recall, Doug was with us, oh, I think it was uh, last summer. Um, we had brought him in to, uh, to provide some insights on burnout of physicians and maybe how physicians need to kind of develop their coping skills to help them get through a lot of the COVID activities. Doug, really happy to have you back. How are you? I'm very good. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Shelly. 
So Doug, you know, I know you're, you're continuing to work with folks around the country, you know, as we've talked about the leaders of today, I think are, are really challenged with helping to, to guide and, and plot the right course to not only improve the financial performance, but also drive a lot of the clinical activities just to create that confidence with the patients, right? Sure. And I know you've done a lot of work with physicians and physician leadership. You know, what are some of the things that you're hearing or some of the real needs and even some of the challenges that you're hearing out there? Well, first of all, it's been a wild year, as Shelly mentioned in the, in the intro. What they need right now is rest. <laughs> so they need them to breathe. It's been really interesting. But in terms of this conversation, I'm kind of torn between awareness of the need and also the skills, uh, the upskill that's needed. So I think more vigilance around the fact that we can't just keep doing things the same way, expecting a different result. So that's what I mean by just being more aware of the lack of uh, leadership acumen and development. And then also uh, it's an upskill. A lot of docs um, assume that because they're a great doctor, they, they know how to lead. They do. They know how to lead a surg surgical room. They know how to lead treatment, but leading in the milieu and in organizational leading is so much different as, as oh. both of you know. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And we're seeing more and more physicians placed in prominent roles, um, you know, cancer service lines or neuroscience service lines. And obviously they're, they're placed in those roles because they're strong clinical leaders and they're visionaries in their, in their field. But I, I think they do struggle with some of the business areas. And I think that's where, you know, an opportunity to, to develop and to in, improve those skills, or at least giving them the support in those areas, I think can drive tremendous amount of personal and professional success for them. Yeah, it's really interesting. What I've noticed, there is a, we're both familiar with the MD, um, MBA uh, combination, right? So a lot of docs are being mentored and told to get their MBA because that will help them. But so far, my experience with MBAs is that they, one area they don't seem to be uh, equipped to train as well as leadership. Um, you, you learn the business acumen and these are really smart people. So uh, I think there's a big gap there. And I've, I've taught for a couple of the executive MBA programs. I'm still on uh, adjunct faculty a couple of places. And, and I always insist that I teach leadership because I'm pretty sure they're not going to get it. Um, so that, that's in the last 15 years. So it's definitely, I'm hearing that it's getting better, but I just don't know. When you've worked with physicians, um, you know, in, in developing their leadership skills, what have been a, what are, what are, what's your approach? What have, what are the couple of things that you've done that I think you've found, um, successful as you've started to develop the physician leader and I guess bridge the gap between maybe their strategy of developing, let's say a service line versus executing on that strategy and creating the team to help support it. I think if I'm being really transparent, they need to get over themselves. I think it's, I'm, my first conversation is always about hubris and I know you're smart and you, you know a lot, but it doesn't mean you, this is something you know about. So I think I always start with trying to have a conversation about humility and becoming a new learner. It's challenging. Uh, there, there, there's a lot of resistance to my comments around that. Of course, I'm supposed to be skilled at maneuvering those conversations, and I think I'm, I'm fairly good. But 
it's a it's a tough it's a tough bridge to get across sometimes. Well, it is, and what I found, and, and I've had the opportunity to um, to work with many new physician leaders. My work has really been on the development of uh, and supporting them on the business side. Right, and we get asked many times for them. You know, what are some of the key programs, leadership programs that are out there that they can go to, and mm-hmm. you know, the feedback that I've heard from many of them is that you know they've they've been taught this information, they get this information, and then they bring it back to their organization. And they have, they have trouble executing on it. And it, it sort of brings me back to something you've talked about time and time again. It's that closing the knowledge do gap. And uh, maybe you talk about that. I think that's just such a relevant point in our discussion for today. Yeah, I, I, I will. I think, right, pr- just another thought I had from your previous question is, I don't, I don't think the gap is, is that much different than say an individual contributor coming up through the business lines. I mean, they, they're really good at an individual contributor role and suddenly they get promoted to a team leader and, and it's, it is a jump. I mean, it's a jump to move from individual contributor to team leader and then team leader to executive and then executive to leader. So I don't want to give the physicians an unfair um, slant against them. I think it's a gap that a lot of people struggle with, but physicians particularly because they are bright um, clearly and, and uh, I love where you're leading this to just because you can read a book about leadership doesn't mean it's so. <laughs> so and uh, I think when we were, uh, if I recall when Dan, when we were talking about this conversation, I was reminded back to 1989 and 90 when I was working on my PhD dissertation, I should say PsyD dissertation. Um, I, I did a qualitative or a, a quantitative study of the, the the gap between people's what they believe they know and what they actually do and so it's more more focused on the belief part of the knowing than just the knowing but um, back then you know some whatever that is 30 some years ago i there was no statistical correlation between what people profess <laughs> and, the, and what they actually behave and so this knowing doing this knowing do gap is is has been around a long time. Um, I think it's a, uh, it's a real thing. I think we're obsessed with knowledge in our culture, at least in the Western culture. I can't speak to others, but we, we like to acquire knowledge, but there is just, there's no evidence that by gaining more knowledge, we actually make the world a better place. In fact, there's lots of evidence we don't. There's evidence when we do better that, that the world is a better place. And so I think one of the quotes I love hearing is you can't, you can't talk your way out of a problem you created. You have to behave your way out. So it's, uh, it's, a, it's, it's there. Uh, we all understand it. It's, it starts in grade school and, and, and high school and college where we understand, we learn things, but we have to get out and actually do things. So if you ask me, what's the best way to develop a young physician into leadership is to get them out and get them involved. Let them practice what they're doing and so the best efficacy we're finding in development programs around the world is uh, project-based development that's give them give them something to work on give them a mentor and a coach and then we'll teach you along the way well and i think if you can build that around you know say a practical case study or, or maybe you know their own work that they that they're either assigned to or that they have responsibility for, well, then it becomes real, right? right? Because then you're you're developing these skills 
around um, something that you know you have a both the personal and professional stake with, and and I think you're able to. I mean, in my mind, there's no better learning than that. Right. Right. Yeah. So the knowledge do gap is real. It, it, it's just not enough. There's so many great books out there uh, on leadership and you can get Ted talks and webinars. I listen to many of them, but until you actually, you know, get into the, into the milieu and just start messing around and interacting with people and dealing with resistance and fatigue. And certainly during a pandemic year, you, yeah. you can't teach it. It's like athletes can't, they can practice all they want until they have game time. Uh, that's when the real athlete shows up or not. Leadership's right. the same way. Yeah, I, I, I agree. You know, when I, when I think about leadership um, and I think about some of the, you know, the more successful leaders that are out there, both, you know, in healthcare, maybe even outside of healthcare, you know, I think there's in a, there, there's kind of an emotional development side of leadership. And then there's that business acumen side of leadership. And I really think the two have to come together, right? So, you know, one of the things you've talked about time and time again is, you know, really building that emotional intelligence that will help drive change agility, that will help drive building a strong team. That I think could also then support the execution of a lot of these business activities, such as, you know, financial performance, understanding what the operational plan needs to be and just executing on the strategy. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. I think it's uh, really, there's two things. When I, when I go in and start working with leaders in, in any teams, you, you, the, the dichotomy is pretty clear. You have people that are results oriented and you have people that are relationship oriented and neither one are good or bad. They're amoral. It's just how, how do we actually get things done um, is the actual, you know, difference between a good leader and a great leader. So a good leader on the results side drives performance that they just, and, and in our culture, that, that tends to be a, it tends to be an advantage checking their side of the box. People that are relationship oriented, they try to engage the people um, to drive the performance. And it's a, it's another effective, but you got to have both. Um, to your point earlier, Dan, it's, it's a, it's not, it's not an either or, it's an and. And so emotional intelligence has surfaced um, and emerged as a prominent um, skill and, uh, and concept that is being you know, tossed around leadership primarily because we realize, well, in large organizations, some of the systems that you guys work in at Lumina, one person can't do it. It's, it requires hundreds and thousands of people and so leaders have to learn how to get things done through others and uh, the old carrot and stick motivation 101 doesn't work anymore daniel pink did some great witness in his book called drive about 10 or 12 years ago and it's he just he just debunks the whole motivational theory that you just give people more money or you whack them harder if they don't do it and and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a go-to skill set. Everybody thinks it, it works. Some of yeah. us were some of us were raised uh, in our families that way. I wasn't. I was actually raised by love, and probably needed a little more whack. To be honest, <laughs> if I was being really transparent. So, yeah, it's it's a uh, it's it's not anything really new. Uh, my favorite definition of leadership, uh, well, my favorite principle of leadership is that if you want to grow a leader, you got to grow a person. 
Right. And so the principle is people follow you more for who you are than what you do. Mm, that's so, a great, great point. Absolutely. Yeah, they, they need to know the number one characteristic uh, by one study that's been around for three decade, decades that people want in their leader is honesty. Yeah. And so that, that sense of integrity and, and honesty and credibility, that doesn't come from just driving performance. Sometimes it, it takes away from a sense of honesty because the greed factor kicks in and people project onto them that that's all they care about as a result. They don't really care about me and my family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and you can see that, but to your point, I think those attributes are really what, what drives a, a strong leader. Well, I, you know, in, in some of the work that we've been doing, um, certainly around helping organizations support their both financial performance, support a lot of their patient care activities, we've identified a real need for leadership development, particularly physician leadership development, and are really excited to, to partner with you on, on supporting a lot of these leadership development programs and these different initiatives. You know, maybe you could spend just a couple of minutes, Doug, talking about, you know, your ideal program. And I know, you know, you've spent some time, a lot of time working with organizations, academics, non-academics, helping to develop some of these, these leaders. Talk a little bit about your program. What have you seen that have been successful? And then maybe we can spend a couple of minutes talking about how, you know, we're, we're connecting that with the business side, which, you know, as we've talked about, I think it's critically important to drive a lot of the success. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm very excited to partner with you as well. Um, I think we could do a lot of cool things together. So I'm very excited about what we're going to talk about next. First of all, let's just historically look at this. When I, when I entered this field from doing clinical work as a psychologist into doing organizational work, the big, the big mantra was training. Train, 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 train. So, you know, I, I wasn't a big fan of training because I didn't, back then even, I didn't really feel like uh, training was all that effective. But so I, I resisted the temptation, but training was the thing. And then this field of coaching emerged, which is sort of that one-on-one mentoring kind of relationship. And so I jumped on that bandwagon because it fit me better in my, uh, the way I think about how people grow and learn better is I just, I think just, just hammering people with how to do something, especially when we, especially with physicians who have a strong sense of physician agency, they want, they want to be autonomous. They don't want to be told how or what to do anything. So Coaching made a lot of sense to me. And then as I spent a decade or so coaching people, Dan, I noticed there was something else missing. And I'm like, oh, I can't believe I missed this gap. But it, you can't do coaching and leadership development in a vacuum. If you're, if you're my client, Dan, and I'm working with you and your supervisor or your team have no relationship with me and they don't even know what we're working on because you don't want to tell them that you have a coach, it just, it has a limit of its, of its uh, efficacy. And so I started pushing my clients to let me uh, work with their teams. So I think the evolution then went from coaching to team-based development. And then I think, you know, I think we're still missing. And I, I really want to see, um, I love team-based learning, if we could do that. So yeah. I've been doing a lot of work in that area, as you know, the last seven or eight years around Patrick Lencioni's work. I do think there's still one, another, there's probably many, but one more iteration that hasn't been uh, as effectively tried. And that is let's get people around their peers, um, not just their team, but their peers, other people 
and uh, get them learning together. And so I think we've got to develop what I'm calling small group, small group facilitated conversations, um, get about 10 or 15 people together and have them learn in a track, a learning track together. So that when they go out into the, when they go out to really solve those practical problems you mentioned, it's, it's real. I mean, it's, it's, we're, these are skills we're learning together and now we're going to practice them together and we can hold each other accountable. Well, and I agree. And that approach I think is one that could be highly effective because of what it does is it allows people to learn in their environment around something practical. And you start to build that team approach where you really rely on one another for, for a lot of the practical aspects of, of delivery of execution and so forth. I'm excited about that. And, and I'll tell you, you know, when we were really thinking about the idea way back when around <laughs> the building some level of a leadership program, you know, I spent some time talking to both physicians, successful physician leaders and those that have struggled with physician leadership. And they all said one thing. They said, we need to have a learning program where we can actually build it around our teams. It's something practical. It's skills that we can actually use and execute <laughs> on. We don't necessarily want to read it out of a book. And I think to your point, <laughs> right. it's bridging that, that knowledge do gap, right? And if you can do it in a team-based approach, that in my mind is really what's going to drive that success. Yeah. Especially when it's peer, peer to peer, as opposed to subordinate to superior, because uh, there's that hierarchical barrier that we just, it's just really difficult to cross. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, one of the areas that, you know, I know we're working on is, is something called the Lumina Leadership Institute, and it's a leadership development program that we're going to try. We're going to see how, um, how it works. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about it, Doug, because I think, you know, what it does is it brings together a lot of the work that you have been doing for years. And I know a lot around your research around leadership development it brings it into a very practical structure combined with a lot of our business activities, our business training, our business acumen to help organizations really thrive. And um, I'm excited to see where this goes. I think it could be something very distinctive for the healthcare community. And I think, you know, from my perspective, I think it could just drive tremendous amount of value in a way to give back to the industry. Sure. Sure. Yeah, let me just highlight a couple of things there. What, what we're talking about doing um, is to create peer-based learning and small group learning and case study development in a, in a, uh, a customized, I mean, in your environment. So taking a sort of an institute type learning into your organization, um, let's just say Hospital X, and we're going to get on their site and start teaching and training and coaching and mentoring together in a peer-based environment. Hopefully we'll begin with physicians, but also we hope to, it will, it will merge with nursing and also, you know, the leadership, the executive team. So we're excited about trying that. And we think the real differentiator is, is connecting that back to strategy. And that's one of the things you've taught me, Dan, is strategy is so important to uh, being on, you know, being effective as a, a healthy organization. And we need a we need a thematic goal that we're all driving for. And so, what a what a cool opportunity to say say our strategy is to um, you know to create uh, you know a, 
you know, really create a differentiator out there in the community, but we do it together and we learn together the skills to how to do that. And so those are some, just some distinctions that I think um, are exciting that we're gonna be doing together in the near future, hopefully. And uh, thought it would be helpful to talk about, so. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I think what excites me about this is, you know, some of the things that we've talked about, let's say around emotional intelligence or change management or change agility. And as you said, tie that into the practical components of executing around a strategy. Right. And it's, I think it's something going to be very new and, and I, I, I can't help but get pretty passionate and excited about thinking about the opportunities that are going to come out of this. Um, it could really change the way that leaders are developed and the way that they really think about solving problems and building their businesses and, and so forth. It's an exciting opportunity. Yeah, there's the, the early adopters are already doing it, right? So they, a lot of people, a portion of the people can connect the dots on their own, but people are busy and they don't make the connection between, oh, I need to learn how to, how to manage conflict better so that we can drive a, the, strat, the strategy that we've decided. Oh, you know, it's like, it just didn't occur to them until I'm having conversations with them. Once that, that light bulb goes off and they start to recognize the connections, the new skill of emotional intelligence now has, has uh, traction because it's, it's useful. It's not just this psychologist, you know, not just a psychologist talking about warm, fuzzy stuff, which I know is your favorite thing, Dan. So <laughs> we, oh, yeah. we don't well, want any fuzzy. You know that, right, Doug? Yeah, we don't want any of that hand-holding, singing kumbaya stuff. So as we, as we teach sort of psychological or soft power skills, they need to be they need to be channeled into what they're there for. They're there to drive the other side, to drive the results. And once people you know, have that insight and make those connections, they're like, oh, okay, go ahead and teach me. We need everybody. We need, the, we need you know, healthcare is so interdependent and we've got to get people working together more than ever. I mean, I know everybody's saying that, but it's true. And when I first started working with healthcare systems, I, I used to say, they just don't know how to collaborate. They only know how to compete. And I think that has to change. We now are, you know, we're, we're working together. They're merging um, hospital, community hospitals that were competitors into systems. We're now working with the payers. Uh, we got to learn how to collaborate and that takes real skills. It's not just going to happen because we want it to. Right. Um, you have to have the commitment to work together, yep. the commitment to collaborate, the, the commitment to, you know, to align all your goals and, and towards, you know, that common goal, that common objective. Well, I, I share your excitement on this, Doug. I think this is going to be great. If anybody's interested in finding out more about this, obviously they can go to the luminahp.com website under institutes. There's a lot of information there. And Doug, I, I'm going to give you an opportunity to promote yourself for a second. You just released a book. I'm, uh, I haven't read it yet, but it's on my list to, to get <laughs> and to read, but I've heard some great things about it. So maybe you can give yourself a little plug. Yeah, it's, it's actually not out yet. So you'll have a copy as soon oh, as it is. Okay. It's, well, um, that's probably why, yeah. And we're doing the final editing, but this was not in, in response to the COVID-19, but about two years ago, I started working heavily in the area of physician resiliency. So I, put, I pulled together my best learnings over the last 20 years and have put together a, a useful trail guide, if you will, for docs on a physician resiliency called the Resiliency Quest. So excited to do that. Just started a podcast of my own. So that's just an infancy. So that's fun Good as well. Oh, that's awesome. That's yeah. great. 
Well, Doug, thanks for your time. This has been great. And, you know, like I said, definitely looking forward to, to working with you on this. I think you've been extremely successful in your career and have done so many great things for so many leaders and organizations. And here at Lumina, we're just looking forward to kind of combining our, our support and our solutions and really making a difference with healthcare and these new emerging leaders. So I want to thank you for everything and great and good luck with your book. I know it's going to do great. Thank you. Appreciate the shout out. That's fun. Shelly, what, what Doug talked about, again, I, you know, I'm, I'm passionate about it. I've said for the longest time, strong leaders is the key to executing any strategy. And it's the key to overcoming the challenges as well as really moving the organization forward, especially in healthcare. It has a direct consequence to the quality care that's being delivered and the success of our organizations. Absolutely. And I like what Doug pointed out, you know, our physician leaders certainly are very, very bright, very capable, have the right clinical and operational skill set, you know, whether they're coming with the business background that they have learned, but really what has emerged more and more, especially in the last 18 months is the need for emotional resilience and emotional agility, as Doug called out. And I think if anything, COVID taught us was how it was put to test throughout the healthcare system, but very specifically for our clinical caregivers there. So that continues to become an important set uh, go forward. And I also liked how he sort of talked about there are various forms, various methods of learning, perhaps the more effective and what Doug is promoting is um, hands-on learning in a group environment. So you're not just learning concepts, but you are, uh, you're really solving for real world problems. And that's what you can take forward. Um, so it's practical, it's relevant, and it's almost real time to what you are really expecting. So I'm quite excited to see how LLI, uh, Lumina Leadership Institute accomplishes that. And I am uh, very excited to hear about Doug's take on it. Yes, absolutely agree, Shelly. I think a lot of the things around LLI is, is going to be exciting, definitely exciting to see where, where this whole all goes and exciting to be working with Doug. I think it's going to be great. On a personal note, this is your last podcast with us, unfortunately. You are going to be moving on for our audience's uh, sake, just to kind of let them know. And Shelly, I can't thank you enough for supporting Value-Based Care Insights, working with me, you and I have worked together for a number of years. I think it's been over 10, if I'm not mistaken. So quite Close some to time. 13. Close 13. To 13. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. So I know it's uh, it's it's not a, a long goodbye. You're just going to be moving on to another organization, but you know that gives you an opportunity to come back as a guest and we'd love to have oh. you back. Absolutely. I have thoroughly enjoyed, Dan, our journey, our working together in various capacities. Um, I was actually listening to one of our earlier episodes last week, and, you know, we've come a long way, finding our rhythm and having really fun with these conversations. And I hope our, our listeners uh, get that vibe, too, that we really enjoy learning, talking, chatting with our guests and thought leaders in the show. And, you know, hopefully our listeners, you find some good nuggets, some good, some value from this lesson learned and these, these conversations. So, I want to thank you, Dan, and I want to thank Lumina for this opportunity. And I also want to thank our listeners for tuning into Value Based Insights podcast by Lumina Health Partners and supporting us. 
We at Lumina continue to be your partners in your journey to value-based care and all the pivots and challenges the industry is going through. To learn more about Lumina, visit us on luminahp.com. And if you found value in today's conversation, subscribe to us on all major podcast platforms, including Apple and Spotify. And don't forget to leave us feedback. Join Dan again, where he continues to deep dive into what lies ahead and invite conversations with several of colleagues and industry thought leaders on new trends that are emerging and how we all collectively continue to navigate and thrive in this new normal. Until then, have a great day.